Hey podcasters, welcome to Shaping Identity, a podcast for lived experiences with mental illness, addictions, and the road to recovery. Today I'm so grateful to be joined by a person who is the embodiment of demonstrating judgment-free spaces. Her strength and resilience in supporting her friends, family, and community through the complexities of mental illness and addictions is, to say the least, incredible. Not only does she help those in her personal life, but also her professional one. She has had many opportunities to support those struggling with her within her community and offers applicable resources and guidance when needed. I am so happy and proud to bring to you today my best friend. While I may be a bit biased in how amazing I think she is, her tremendously large and giving heart, in addition to her compassion, has supported many others in finding themselves through recovery. Her experience in offering judgment-free spaces and dignity is something I believe the mental health community can greatly benefit from. Are you ready for some vulnerability? Here it is. Welcome to Shaping Identity Podcast, Bestie. How was your day? Thank you. It is so good to be here. I am truly honored and I can't wait to dive into this with you. My day was good. I feel like I just blinked and it was the end and I'm home relaxing with a cup of tea. How was your day? It was really great. Thank you. And yeah, I'm just really excited to have you and just dig into your brain for more knowledge on how to be a supportive figure in other people's lives. So if you are ready, I think that now would be a good time to just jump right into the questions I have. Sounds good. Let's hear them. My first question, how many family members and friends are you directly supporting with their mental health and recovery journey currently? I would say between three and four currently. I mean, that's got to be a lot to handle considering you have a full-time job, a family, and other things going on. How do you go about creating those judgment-free spaces for your loved ones? That's a really good question. I think that I've always naturally been a helper, right? Um, I remember participating in natural helpers. I remember deciding to go into a helping profession and finding my passion within that. And so I think it's been a part of my life for so long that sometimes it's hard to recognize how you carve out spaces. And I think that um, part of supporting loved ones and in professional sense, supporting clients and individuals with some of these challenges, I think the level of support or the level of active involvement of a supporter ebbs and flows. So some really need someone to lean on during that journey and others just need that continued presence, even if it's not a daily thing, um, which I think helps spread some of that because you're right, supporting a loved one or um, supporting someone in a professional capacity that struggles with mental health and addiction, it can be difficult it can exacerbate someone's own issues and it's important to find that balance of honoring your own boundaries and your own ability to help versus the needs of someone else. Did that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> that was great. One thing I want to ask you just based on what you said, uh, can you describe natural helpers? You said you were a part of it. What was that? 
that was a program in high school of all things that was um, sort of like a volunteer opportunity, I guess. I didn't remain in it for long. I remember going to a retreat and working on some of those skills, but it was basically learning to support peers that might be struggling and, and being a safe person for others within the school setting, which in hindsight is very ironic because I feel like I experienced a lot of bullying, but <laughs> it was nice to be identified as someone who might be able to help somebody else, even if maybe I wasn't helping myself a lot. And you were identified, so you were chosen for that opportunity? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm trying to remember which teacher it was specifically. I want to say it was maybe my drama teacher. But it was basically, yeah, teachers selected individuals in their classes that they felt like would be a good fit for this program and kind of walked you through the process of signing up for it. That's really cool. And it's it sounds like you got a lot of great skills from going on that retreat and then being a part of that program. Absolutely. I think it was a really great age appropriate and developmentally appropriate way to introduce the idea of having like a non-judgmental approach to others. And you spoke about, you know, your professional capacity in helping community members. And so from your high school experience and onwards, what other opportunities have you had to learn in that regard of supporting other people? I think that whether I knew my path was in the helping profession or whether I identified as someone who is a helper or not, I think subconsciously I've always made choices and aligned myself with opportunities for that. You know, I remember even relating like retail jobs to improving people's self-esteem or, or building their self-confidence and supporting their mental health. I, I love that. <laughs> You know, you know, so many people take on these retail roles and they're just like, meh, like this, <laughs> this is just my nine to five kind of thing. Like, I mean, that was my mentality when I worked those kind of roles. And I really love your perspective of like how you flipped it around and used it as an opportunity to build those skills and like build people up. I think that's really admirable of you. You are so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> I think it was like, I don't know. It was just the way to like make meaning of those opportunities, right? I remember working in a shoe store and like the excitement that someone would get when you could find something that was for them, like whether it was in their budget or like it made them feel confident or something, just watching what a little bit of kindness could do to others. Um, and I, I didn't recognize it at the time, but I think that's a, a really important part of supporting people with their mental health and with their addictions is being able to show kindness to people that you don't know even. I think that's probably the most important skill is just learning how to how to be a good human and how to show that to other people because addictions and mental health to me are always sort of the after effect of of a pain, right? A pain-based behavior or a trauma-based behavior and... I think that the secret to supporting people are not a secret because it, it shouldn't be a secret is just how do you show others kindness and how do you make the world a better place for not just yourself, but other people. Mm. And so some of those little retail jobs were a part of it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I think you nailed it there in the kindness aspect, because I know for me, I really struggled for a while with such anger and animosity towards my situation. And I know that other people's kindness, yours included, 
really made an impact on me and how I aspired to be. And so I'm really happy that I had influential people like you in my life. And of course, others that were that demonstrated that kind of kindness. So I think that's, that's a great uh, thing to note in that regard. So the next question I have for you is, it's going to be a difficult one. I mean, it's difficult for me to ask because I don't think that there could be any one thing, but if you could pick one question that you were asked the most given your position. So meaning like as a supporter of family, friends, and in your professional capacity, like, is there any one question you're always asked of how you do it or how you balance that in your lifestyle, if that makes sense at all? It does make sense. And you're right. That is a hard question because, um, you know, sometimes I think I'm at a point where it's just become so normalized to me to to have people that are are comfortable sharing their struggles and their vulnerability, which is a big part of why I love what you're using your platform for. I think that this kind of conversation on a bigger scale is what's going to help change our world. But to get back to your question, if I had to really nail it down. I think one of the most common things that I'm asked about it is um, my ability to relate to their struggles. So full disclosure, I don't identify myself as someone who struggles with addiction. However, I do identify myself as someone who struggles with mental health. So sometimes supporting those with addictions, I am asked about my experience with addiction and whether it's my own lived experience or it's experiences of those close to me or loved ones. Um, and I think that's probably the most common because for some, the ability to empathize is great, but it's more meaningful for them when they have somebody that has that shared experience. I guess as a caveat, I do always share that I don't have that specific lived experience in an effort to be transparent. No, and that's that's amazing. I think... What's really nice or has been nice for me, at least, is having an outsider's perspective, because there's been times where I've even talked to you about like, oh, you know how you just like can't stop thinking about alcohol? And you're just like, no, like, (laughs) you know, I don't I don't super get that. But like I and you like you do a really good job of like empathizing and helping me work through those thoughts. But it's it is reassuring to talk to somebody who has lived experience in helping others through addictions or, you know, can relate or empathize, however you want to phrase it. Um, Yeah, I just think that there is so much to be said for somebody who can still support you through something that they don't necessarily know from a personal perspective, you know? I really appreciate hearing that because, you know, it's always a worry when you don't have the same lived experience as someone that, you know, like they they think I don't get it. They think I don't care enough or something. So it's really reassuring to know that that's never been the perception. No, never. I mean, and I'm always a sucker for a Brene Brown comment or like relating it to something. But, you know, that video she has on empathy and it's like, you're like, oh, damn, that sucks. Like, it's. <laughs> You're, you know, you're down in the hole with me and you like just really try and relate to the feeling and not so much the experience. So that that has helped me tremendously. 
So the next question I have for you, I'm wondering if you might be able to describe what would be the hardest part in supporting someone with their mental health and or addictions. So I know you kind of spoke about it in the last question about how it may be difficult if you don't have that specific personal lived experience. But yeah, if you could just describe what you think is the hardest part in supporting someone else. Part of it is for sure not having that same lived experience. And part of it, I think, is really learning to understand what sort of drives it for the individual. As we've kind of discussed earlier, there's a lot of research and and my own philosophy aligns that a lot of addictions and mental health are as a result of trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not to say that's the case for everyone. We do know that mental health conditions and disorders can be genetically predisposed, environment can play a role in it. So I think it's not always as cut and dry. But I think oftentimes trying to understand where's the root of that for someone allows you to support them in a better capacity. I think also being in touch and self-aware to know your motivation for helping other people. Is it so that you feel better about yourself or is it because you genuinely love and care about that person? And so I think it's always really important to know what your own motivation is for being there for someone. I love that you touched on that. I just, yeah, motivation is such an important factor. And I I know in some professions, some people may not always have (laughs) maybe the right motivation or intention. And I just really love that you commented on that. Because if we do want to be making a difference with mental illnesses and addictions and the road to recovery in life, it's, uh, we have to be motivated by quote unquote, the right things. And yeah, I just, I think you really nailed it with that one. So thank you. What would you say, if anything, makes it easier to support loved ones with their journey? I think it's just the genuine love, you know, like, um, I think of two of the people, I would say, I really feel like I've been able to do right by or support. It was easy in a lot of ways because of that genuine love Um, and one of them is obviously for you (laughs) it was it was natural to be there for you because I love you you have been such an incredible part of my life Um, and we have truly lived like a lifetime having each other involved in our lives and that's what made it so easy to be there for you because you're family you're a part of my life oh I love you and I (laughs) obviously feel the same way. And I guess just on that note, like it must have been so difficult to not feel or at least maybe you felt it but not express disappointment or express yeah, like anger or sadness. I specifically relate this to like when I came to you and like just fully melted down about my addiction to alcohol. And actually like there's been so many times in my life I've just been like, this is what's going on. And it's like, just been this really ugly side of me. And I know, like, yeah, you've never once made me feel like, okay, that, (laughs) that is my cutoff. I hate you. How could I? It goes back to that love that you feel for people, you know? And again, full disclosure, like I grew up in a family that was not super outwardly unconditionally loving, I would say. But I, it feels natural for me to be able to express that unconditional love to, to my circle, right? I keep a fairly small circle. But if you're one of those people in my circle, it's an unconditional love kind of circle. And, you know, who am I to judge anyone? 
especially my loved ones for whether or not they're they're struggling with mental illness or a mental just a mental health episode or an addiction because I have my own struggles I might not relate to the addiction as my lived experience but my own experiences with my mental health and the mental health of my spouse or my parent I always think like who am I to judge somebody else well I think that it's human nature to judge on some level but I just really admire your unconditional love like it's it's really just yeah Um, I know I can't say this enough, but something I aspire to create that space, just want to bottle that up, (laughs) you know, give it to everyone. You're you're working yours out. And the more you work it out, the more it becomes second nature. That's a good point. I guess another question I would have for you, are there any training sessions, resources, books, podcasts, anything that you may suggest to others that are in a supporting role like yourself that may be helpful? I think that, you know, you mentioned our queen earlier, Brene Brown. (laughs) You know, a lot of people might not make the connection between vulnerability, the road to recovery, you know, building your identity, addictions, mental health. But at the core of all of those is vulnerability. It's that ability to be honest, to be real, to be raw. And so I think those who are looking to learn more about supporting others or, you know, how to be... I don't know if we would say how to be an ally, but you know, how to support your loved ones or your friends, family, whatever. Looking into someone like Dr. Gabor Mate, I think he's done some incredible work on addictions and recovery and uh, the connection between trauma and mental health and addiction. I would highly recommend watching any of his videos or reading some of his books. I was just gonna say is, does he do TED Talks or is it YouTube or? Yes. Yeah, he does TED Talks. He does like seminars at convention centers sometimes. He does have quite a few books out. I'm trying to think of the one on addictions that he did. I want to say it's in the realm of hungry ghosts, but I would have to... Ghosts or goats? Ghosts. I'm sorry, my furnace is wicked loud. (laughs) No, that's okay. (laughs) I would definitely read in the realm of hungry goats, though. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's a must read. (laughs) Totally. I think the Canadian Mental Health Association also can point folks in the right direction for like support groups that might be in their area. They were doing a lot of online seminars and groups for loved ones and for those struggling with mental health during the pandemic. I'm not sure if they're doing a lot of the virtual still now or if they've kind of transitioned back to in-person. Depending on where you live, there are resources out here in our province. It would be your provincial health body and Depending on your community, you can look at what your local uh, health center or health services might have to offer. Other than that, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and Al-Anon are excellent resources. Some people might not jive with the 12-step higher power aspects of it, but for those that are loving someone or in the life of somebody that has an addiction, Al-Anon can be a really great place to get together with other loved ones that are sharing that same experience and sort of giving each other tools or ideas or even just that companionship to help support Mm. each other as supporters. Smart Recovery is another amazing program that if you are not fond of the 12-step AA program or NA, Smart Recovery, I feel like is a more natural port or resource for those that are looking to get help. 
That's awesome. And I I agree, like, it's not going to be for everyone. I mean, I spoke about it in another episode, how I've taken bits and pieces from the different programs that I like, which I don't know, works for me, I guess. But one thing I did like was using it as a starting ground to get started. And so with that in mind, I guess, what did it feel like for you to go with me to to my first AA meeting? I know how I felt. And I know, you know, the anxiety that built up in me, but that must have been different for you too. I love that you're asking about this. Um, Yeah, when I stop and think, um, I found myself reflecting before we sat down to do this, just about the length of your sobriety journey and what it's looked like and like how much greatness has come out of it. But um, I remember that meeting like crystal clear. I was also nervous to attend it as your support for fear of goofing up somehow. I remember being very in my own head that I wanted to be there to support you and I wanted you to feel loved and safe. And I didn't know how we were going to orchestrate that virtually. But, you know, we 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 made it. We sat through it. I was beyond proud of you for making that step. It would have been so easy to just flake on it or be like, you know what, I don't think I'm ready. Um, But you took the plunge. And so at that moment, it was ship up or ship out, I got to join you in there. (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, it feels like a different lifetime, honestly, because I just remember sitting and when I was doing it, yeah, it was online, just sitting in my bed. And I was just like, I remember going, oh, well, you're not going to be able to see me. But like, I remember just like wanting to hide my face and wanting to, I don't know, cave in on myself like it almost felt like a part of me was giving up or like I don't know just surrendering this part of me and I think that's one of the steps actually I'm not really sure but it's uh it was really weird to just kind of give up on this identity I had taken so long to build like I was the go-to, let's go grab a beer girl, like, let's go drink our faces off person. And so, yeah, and I mean, I don't, I know I couldn't have done it without you. So thank you for going with me to my first meeting because I was just so scared. And I think it made a huge difference having you there because it wasn't like I could back out. You know, I had made the plan with you. I told you I was going and it was kind of like having that accountability partner to say, no, like you made a date with me. Let's go. Like it it was really encouraging for me. And so I think like for anyone listening, if this is something that they're considering having somebody go with you, whether they're struggling with addictions or not, I think the only stipulation for specifically AA is that if you're not struggling, you wouldn't be sharing any um anything but other than that like just having that physical or visual uh support can make a really big difference I know it did for me I love that and I'm so glad you said that I think that that's one of the the ways that we forget how to show up for people is just actually showing up I think when it comes to mental health and addictions, it's sometimes a very isolating road. And I know the the road to recovery and building your life beyond that. Um, Sometimes it can feel very isolating. So I think remembering to show up for the people that we care about makes a big Mm -hmm. difference. Totally. So, and actually, before we move on, 
are you able to give us a little insight to um, Al-Anon, it's called, right? The support group for supporters of people with addictions. Is that right? Yeah, um, it's, I'm not sure what their complete phrasing is or their technical phrasing. But yeah, it is for the like loved ones of those that are struggling with addictions. Um, not specific to alcohol, which is nice, but predominantly AA is the most recognized, I'd say. But yeah, it's just a, a support group that you can attend if you are somebody who is struggling while you're supporting someone you love through this. Um, it's really nice to just have a network of people that you can be vulnerable with yourself and share some of the challenges or some of the things that you're finding really helpful or work well. And just to have a, a place to share that load. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, uh, I know when I was in, well, I don't know what grade or <laughs> high school, university, it all blurs together. I don't know where, what stage of life I was in, but I know someone had recommended it um, just for the issues I was experiencing with my mom. And I always kind of put my nose up about it. And I don't know, I always associated it of like, just not being right for me. And it's so funny how wrong it was because I am such a person of like, oh my goodness, we all like can relate and connect and share these experiences and share and, you know, we can understand one another and we can share resources and things like that. So thank you for explaining your experience with it. Cause I do think that it's a great resource out there. One of many for anyone who is supporting people with any kind of addictions. So another question I have for you, what are you doing to take care of your mental health? Do you have any self-care pieces that you would recommend or that are your kind of go-to's? Oh, self-care is like the spinal column of the helping profession, right? It's something that we all talk about and it's something that most of us are not good at. Um, so self-care as a supporter and as myself, it's always been an area I struggled with, I guess. But I find that some of the cliche ones are a cliche for a reason. So you're tried and true having a bath writing in your journal I've gotten really into oracle cards mm -hmm. which are like a, just a fun way to kind of explore energy and mm -hmm. um, yeah sort of view things through like a positive lens I love me some tarot cards and, and doing readings but sometimes you just want that uplifting oracle card vibe yeah so for self-care for me I will 100% be having another cup of tea after this nice <laughs> probably winding down with a good book. I find that I'm an independent self-care person. Some people get that recharge by being around others. I'm definitely more of a hermit. Mm, I relate. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's just, yeah, you're a helper too. And you naturally gravitate towards helping others. So of course you need time to recharge. <laughs> well, it's funny because you mentioned, you know, your classics, shower, bath, things like that. And it's funny because I read an article a little while ago about how there's like some people don't recognize 
things like a shower, a bath, doing your nails, brushing your hair, things like that. They don't recognize it as a self-care piece because they're like, that is just a human right. Like that is something that you should experience or should get it in your everyday. And I kind of disagree with it because I think it's all about your perspective and your mindfulness while doing it. And honestly, for me, self-care is anything I get to do and rejuvenates me or makes me happy or, you know, it gives me clarity. It gives me a moment to feel human again or feel any kind of semblance of what like quote unquote normalcy or, you know, (laughs) it's, it's like fresh, having a fresh glass of water sometimes can be my self care piece. Like if you only have five minutes and you're running between things and you know, you have that fresh glass of water, like that's my self care piece. And I, yeah, so I, I don't know, I just wanted to bring up that that's my perspective on self care is that it, it can literally be anything that makes you feel good. That is a beautiful perspective. And I love the mindfulness that you mentioned. Yeah, it's a, uh, Mindfulness is a whole other thing I could get into, um, <laughs> but I will save that for another time. <laughs> um, I do want to continue on. So I another question would be, do you have any tips, tricks, advice, or support to lend others that may be in your kind of position in supporting friends, family, or their community? perspective is a really big thing and we'll touch on it again in a sense mindfulness you know knowing where you're at knowing where your loved ones are at being comfortable with being uncomfortable and Mm. and knowing when you need time for yourself it's I'm not making it sound very easy with like any fun tips or tricks I'm really making (laughs) it sound like a full-time job but you know it's it's balance right it's just another aspect of life but how Mm. do you how do you balance it in a way that works Yeah. Well, and I like what you said, being comfortable with the uncomfortable. (laughs) That is uh, a really good tip or trick or piece of advice, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I like I like that. Um, I guess finally, I just want to ask, is there anything else that I haven't asked about that you'd want to share in with your experience? You have all these amazing questions. (laughs) Um, I think, hmm, I think think a statement maybe or something that I would add earlier on would be that I think it's really important when you are supporting a loved one with their mental health or addiction or sobriety it's understanding that you can't you can't fix it sometimes when we want to help and support we want to fix it and sometimes you it's not something you can fix yeah 100%. So glad you said that because I think, and even for me, when I want to support or help someone, I'm, I immediately am like, fix, fix, fix. Like I gotta help. I gotta like do whatever I can to change this or I don't know anything. And so I think that's a really good point to make is, you know, um, kind of that compassion and grace for yourself that, you are in a position of supporting another person through their situation and they're still in the driver's seat. You know, you're, you're a passenger, passenger princess, and you're, you're along for the ride, but you, you know, they're making their own decisions and yeah, you're a supporting role. So I like that. Thank you. So that's kind of all the questions I had for you. Um, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and answering the questions. 
I know I had a lot um, <laughs> and I really appreciate you being a part of this journey with me from the very beginning. Like you said, we've been together in each other's lives for a lifetime and I feel like you've been through all the ups and downs. And so thanks just for being a part of that. And uh, on that note, I know that there are many others that also appreciate you. And I actually have uh, two messages reflecting on the impact you've had in other people's lives. So I want to share those with you if you're open to that. So sweet. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so one of them I will say you've heard before that's from me. Um, but there's another one from, I will say our other bestie um, that wanted to share. And so I will read her message to you, which is, Hey bestie, you know, I never miss a chance to express my deepest thanks and gratitude for your unwavering support over all these years. To know so much about me, having seen me at my best and worst, and to still make time and hold space for me and truly listen when I'm doubting myself is beyond remarkable. I will never take for granted your unwavering encouragement and belief in me, which have been truly instrumental in helping me overcome my insecurities, particularly in grad school. Thank you for being the kind of friend who shows up when I need it the most, makes me laugh in my darkest times, and for making me feel heard and valued. We are so incredibly fortunate to have you in our lives. Thank you for making this life so beautiful. And I hope we also make you feel even a fraction of how loved, safe, and supported you make us feel every day. Love always, your ultimate bestie. And the next message I have for you is the one that you've heard before, but I think it is worth expressing again. Dear BFF, I wouldn't be here without you. You held non-judgmental space and allowed me opportunities to share every bit of me. Your unconditional love made it possible to share so openly because I knew no matter what I said, your love would continue. My sharing wouldn't change our relationship, and it felt like you'd never express disgust with my actions or behaviors, no matter how negative they may have been by societal standards or norms. You allowed me to be completely vulnerable. Your allowance in this area was integral to my recovery. When I felt hopeless about sharing my situation with my husband or making changes, you encouraged me and showed a level of belief in me that I aspired to. My experience with you has taught me how to best support others in this stage of their life. Because of you, I know that offering a non-judgmental space for someone to share can be so therapeutic and life-altering. You've taught me to make space for another person to explore their feelings and mentality. I love you. I am here today because of you. And I'm just so thankful for you. I love you. Love me. I love you so much. And <laughs> <laughs> on like a super sappy note, but thank you for being here today. I love you so very much. And this has been one of my greatest honors to just walk alongside you and support you the best that I can and to see you blooming now. Thanks. Well, that's all we've got to give today. Thank you for joining this episode of Shaping Identity. Shaping Identity is available wherever you stream your podcasts. 
Thanks for joining today. This is me signing off with a vulnerability hangover. If you like Shaping Identity, please like, comment, or share, and make sure to follow me on Instagram at shaping underscore identity. That is the platform I use the most. I want to recognize Titan Media Collective for all of their help in getting set up, started, and their support throughout this journey. With that shout out in mind, here is another production by Titan Media Collective. Take a listen. Hey guys, this is B from Arbitrary Advice, your one-stop shop for advice, arbitrary and otherwise. We talk about anything and everything, from serious issues to internet challenges and life hacks. Have a question or topic you want covered? I'm available through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or email me at arbitraryadvicepodcast at gmail.com. My mission is to help people through their challenges, no matter the size. New episodes every Sunday and available anywhere you listen to podcasts.